This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. wonderful, blessed, beautiful afternoon to you all my amazing listeners here on Radio K Pulpit. Welcome to Voice of Change. It is myself, Lauren Jacobs, and today I want to be taking you on a journey, a journey that I believe we need to go on together to unpack what it means to have intergenerational faith and uh, how do we do this also in our congregations. We know You know, in society, especially in our congregations, we have people who love God. You know, we all love God. We love Jesus. But we are of different generations, different age groups. And we have our own unique experiences. Generation to generation, things are different. And the Bible speaks a lot about different generations. And sometimes we struggle. uh, You know, it could be anyone from any generation can struggle to kind of work together because we are so different. We have different strengths, different spiritual DNA almost. And we need to know how do we work together? Why? You know, do we hear so much talk about different generations? I mean, this is a conversation that's had consistently all the time. I hear people of different generations, they go, oh, you know, we don't like this technology stuff. Uh, that's for you young guys. And then the the young folks going, oh, you know, we we, we need this technology stuff and uh, we really need to bring it into what we're doing. And then there's maybe some friction and there's a lot of things that happen here or someone going, oh, you know, social justice is something young people are so involved in. Why do they care? And then, you know, it just becomes like we just don't understand each other. I mean, we want to understand each other because God has blessed us from generation to generation that we can learn so much from each other. And if we can do this effectively in our congregations, I believe, and I know many other people do, that our congregations will truly thrive. So I have invited Kaylian Dorch Elliott onto the show with me. And she's an amazing, amazing woman. And she is very, very passionate about intergenerational faith and how do we do that she's an author a speaker she's a wife a mom she's a reader she loves art she's an empath and she is married and she is very proud to be mom to two of the sweetest girls her debut book has just come out called it is well generational faith that never runs dry she's also the ceo of right on the margin publishing and her mission in life is to meet christians in the margins of their faith in their walks in their faith journeys and even on and in their everyday lives, just to meet people where they are. And so she is joining me to talk about intergenerational faith. We're going to be really looking at two main generations that we hear a lot about and how to bridge the gap for our faith communities and also for our workplaces and society, talking about the baby boomers as well as the millennials and uh, two generations that seem very far apart. And of course, millennials being the children of baby boomers. And sometimes, you know, that is a very interesting walk in itself. Some very funny stories. I can tell you about that, but uh, I'll keep that for another time. Kalyan will be with me and we'll be chatting all about this topic because we want the church to thrive. We want to do that with all of the generations that are present. So stay tuned. Kalyan is with me after this. Kalyan, it is so good to be with you today. You are such a phenomenal human being. I've had such a privilege of knowing you for quite a while. And now you have also, you know, authored an incredible book and we're going to be doing quite a dive today into this topic of, you know, 
intergenerational faith, generational faith, what we are carrying uh, within each generation. And we're going to be touching on that. I think such an important topic, one I am super excited to be talking about with you, because I know it's close to your heart. I know it's close to mine. And something we don't talk about often is what different generations carry. How do we work together? We have you know, quite a few uh, negatives we hear between different generations. Sometimes we can complain on each other. And so it's going to be really cool having this conversation with you. But before we get into that, welcome to the show today. And thank you so much for being here. Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, I can agree with everything that you said. It's, it's been great getting to know you, um, even though it's been virtually. Uh, it feels <laughs> like we've actually met in person. Um, over the past few years. And I'm excited to have an opportunity to talk to you again. And yeah, to talk about this book, something that um, a topic that's dear to both of us. So thank you for having me. Mm, like you said, like uh, you just a conversation so close to our hearts, just something that we both uh, have experienced. Uh, and I think as people listen in, I really want to encourage people to listen in. doesn't matter what generation you're in, we want to be, you know, revealing Christ. We want to be revealing God in his goodness. And I think that that is the thing about having intergenerational faith. But also we have churches, faith communities, congregations with different age groups and different generations. And sometimes we can really struggle with this, right? I don't know, Kay, if Absolutely. you've experienced that. But I mean, among fellow millennials, like you and I are of the millennial you know, groups, mm -hmm. <laughs> we do talk like I, you know, among each other going like, oh my goodness. And then I, I speak yeah. to my mom and her friends and they're baby boomers. And then yes. they, they talk about like the millennials, like I can't work with millennials. I'm so tired. Absolutely. <laughs> or that we're, we're only good for social media and tech. Totally. Exactly. And like there, there's so much more. Yeah. And I remember, a conversation I I heard uh, of a, a family member of mine that was like complaining, like, oh, I work for a millennial as a baby boomer and I struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And I was like unpacking that with this family member. And then this individual said something to me that was like, wow. They said, but the thing is, I've been in my industry for 45 years and the millennial that I work for, although I can't really handle this person, uh, because we're just a different generation. It wasn't like their personality is right. bad. Um, this individual was saying to me like, but what is so cool about our work environment is that the boss I have now actually gives us mental health days and is so worried and concerned about our mental health that if we're not okay, we actually get to take time off to to be right. okay. You know, she checks in on us. Uh, we We get to do things for our mental health. And this individual was like, in 45 years of my life working for other people, I've never had yeah. that before. Yeah. Uh, you know yeah. how, and, and that was an amazing, and I, I kind of was like, wow, that's cool, isn't it? And then this person was like, I actually had a light bulb moment of like, actually, maybe there's something here. Maybe we're just different, you yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. And what I'm finding is that the, the generational divide is universal mm -hmm. and it's, of course, carried into the church. And so we're seeing that a lot, like you were saying, whether it's complaining about each other, you know, different generations complaining about each other. Um, in some congregations, some generations aren't present. Um, and then, you know, there are some where different generations are present, but they're clashing because they don't know um, just how to interact and what to 
learn from from the younger generations or the younger generations learning from the older um so yeah i'm just i'm finding that it's that it's universal and it's it's carried over into the church hmm. Hmm. definitely okay so we're going to touch on the three generations today we're going to touch on the baby boomers generation x which is sometimes the middle child that gets forgotten uh, you know, oh, yeah. gen- and, gen- and I'm a middle child in real life. So that was an interesting section oh, for me. <laughs> that is so interesting. And and it really yeah. is because even when you, you, you know, during COVID times, you know, you kind of people were talking about how baby boomers are reacting to things, how millennials are acting to things. Yes. But it was kind of like there's a generation in between us, you know, so we're going to we're going to touch on gen sure. X's and then um, m- millennials, which is what you and I are. But if someone's listening, because I actually have had people say to me, like, what what do you mean when you say I'm a baby boomer? You know, I don't know what that means. So what mm-hmm. do these three things actually mean? It's like time periods you're born into. But how do we then define each of them? What are the time periods that connect with each of these three? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, for the baby boomers specifically, they are individuals born between 1946 and 1964. Mm-hmm. And then you have Gen X. They are considered being born between 1965, 1983. And then you have the millennials. Um, and millennials are, are tricky because you have um, the older side of the millennials and I fall on the on the younger side. Um, but those are individuals born between 1984 and 2000. Um, and, you know, as you're researching the generations, there will be different uh, ways that people decide where the where the demarcation is. Um, and so, yeah, those those are the years that the that the generations um, mm. are, are considered. But you'll see different mm. um, markings. depending on the the resource that you're that you're going with but Mm -hmm. I think um in terms of the characteristics of each each generation that's really what what makes it and so like baby boomers um they had a lot of children and um that was a characteristic for for their generation um gen x like you said is is considered the the middle child of of the three generations and a lot of times you know they can they can be forgotten um or seen as if their contribution um hasn't really made such of a difference and then you have millennials and a lot of people you know when they think of millennials they think of technology they think of um social media Hmm. and um yeah so having those those two major generations and then gen x in between sometimes Gen X's, you know, contribution can be un- underestimated or undervalued. Um, but all all three generations, and and it's not just tied to those, but for the sake of um, exploring generational faith and paralleling with the the patriarchs of faith, mm. those were three that I saw really closely um, aligned, and a lot of the clashing that you're seeing um, in our in our congregations um, and and society in general. Mm. You know what's even interesting is is I find like sometimes as millennials you can you can actually moan about the Gen Zs, you know, who are the generation that's younger than us. And I was kind of like, guys, we can't be doing this, you know, because we have a problem with all the generations complaining about us 
we can't absolutely. be we can't be complaining <laughs> about people younger than us, you know absolutely yeah and it's it's not anything new like this has been going on forever yeah. um you know all generations are are going to experience that you know not knowing what to carry on from the older generation and and feeling you know, left out when a new generation comes and just mm. trying to find your place. So that's just something that comes with, with all generations. Mm. So interesting. That's why it's important to have this conversation that we're going to have and break it up even more. Okay. So you also spoke about the patriarchs of faith, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are so essential to our faith. And so let's break it down a little bit more. Let's just pause a little bit with the baby boomers, you know, so that we can uncover kind of what is the what is the blessing? What do they actually bring, you know, to the church, to our faith, to the world, so that we can maybe, you know, begin to understand, and maybe baby boomers themselves can begin to understand themselves, and then not see, you know, younger generations as being annoying. We don't see them, uh-huh. uh, you know, as older generation being annoying. So, what is the kind of the legacy of faith that baby boomers would bring, you know, to our world, to our faith more specifically, and to the church? I know that that's a really big question, so we don't have to unpack the the hugeness of that topic, but like just the just going into a, a little bit of it, what what is it that they bring? What is their, because God manifests himself differently to each generation, right? And puts- For some, sure different in each generation. I believe we have a spiritual DNA that's unique for our generation. So how is it that God has been using the baby boomers? What do they bring that we can really honor and love and use in the church and in faith today and even in our communities? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So baby boomers, uh, they, they bring a lot. And um, I, I really, my my goal in in writing this book was that all generations would would gain a deeper appreciation not just for other generations contributions but for their own and i think baby boomers because of the shifts that have happened like in our local congregations whether that be worship style mm-hmm. um just a uh, style of teaching you know things like that Sometimes they may, I, I would imagine, and, and baby boomers that I've had the pleasure of speaking with, whether in my own family or being raised in the church, um, my my dad being a pastor, um, sometimes it can feel like, oh, well, what we grew up on and what we contributed to the church is outdated. And and that's, that's not true. Um, baby boomers went through, they, they went through a lot. Um, and one of the things that they bring to the church, I say, is the um, the area of discipline. Mm. That's something that that they bring. Now, if you ask if you ask a millennial or even Gen Xer, you know that they, they might say that the baby boomer um, in their family was in church all the time. Every time the doors were open, they were there, um, and they just kind of didn't. They may say that they didn't have a life outside of church. You know, they just. They, no one can outgive, outserve, you know, yeah. all of those things. The baby boomers, they're just dedicated to the church and, and doing whatever they, they need to do. Mm. Now, our generation and even Gen X, uh, Gen X, they, they kind of introduced the, the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, millennials, we're all about self-care and <laughs> it's not even really a balance. It's about priorities uh, for mm-hmm. us. 
Um, but baby boomers, I think we should we should appreciate the discipline um, that they brought. Yes, there were times that it may have been taken out of proportion um, and that they they experienced burnout, maybe without knowing it. But because of their experiences, a lot of it was just to even survive. And I think because um, the times we live in now are, are, are not better, not easier, um, but in a way, they they are slightly um, because you had baby boomers, um, you know, coming out of the civil rights movement, um, different wars and um, d- just different things. And a lot of their their uh, spirituality came out came to them for the sake of of coping and and surviving. And so I think that's important because now I think we've kind of gotten to there's there's even room for comfortable Christianity. You know, I've been I've been hearing that recently. Mm-hmm. Um and and they didn't even have that option. You know, yeah. they didn't feel that they even had the option to not go to church one Sunday. You know, like their their spiritual disciplines, even though they would be overbearing sometimes when we're looking at it as younger generations, for them, it was a matter of survival. And I think that dependence is something that we could could glean from, you know, as as younger generations. So so discipline um, and one of the major, you know, disciplines, because there are corporate disciplines and then, you know, the inward disciplines um, but the discipline of service was something that really marked the the boomer generation. The only thing is, um, as they were navigating this, there there came a point where, whether it was with the different um, revivals or movements that they encountered, they had to figure out, you know, like, is our faith just for salvation alone? Mm-hmm. Or is there more to it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because there were like teachings about um, there, there wasn't a lot of like sound teaching um, in, in local churches. And even with uh, different family members of mine hearing about their experiences and they're like, you know, our pastor didn't preach. Like he might tell a story or, you know, something just to um, give us examples and 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 to scare us into you know, salvation mm. and, and um, you know, getting to heaven and not saying that this was the motive for, for all, you know, boomers and who were, who were Christians, but a lot of them, there was a, a fear tactic mm. um, that, that was employed by the, by um, their local preachers um, and their, their spiritual discipline didn't didn't only come out of a desire to serve, but also because I I want to make it into heaven. Mm. And their generation had to um come to the question of what is the point of faith beyond, you know, just just getting um in, into heaven. And so mm-hmm. yeah, so the discipline of service was something that that really um marked them. But they were also challenged to experience God um, beyond just salvation, because as you stated before, you know, us us being really into self-care and taking care of our mental health, 
that's not something that they were encouraged to do. Yeah. Um, if, if there was, you know, something that was going on, it was going to be a, a cliche, you know, just a, just a scripture, you know, thrown. And of course there's power in scripture. Um, but sometimes you need, you need more than that. Yeah. And, um, mental illnesses were seen as demonically influenced. Um, if you were sick, you know, I remember hearing, you know, people being sick, different congregations, um, especially if it was like an older congregation, just traveling to different churches mm-hmm. with my family. And, um, you know, if you were sick, we're, we're going to pray for you. But, but then it's also like you, sometimes it would be encouraged that you don't go to the doctor because, if God is your great physician, why, why would you need to go to a doctor? Mm. Um, you know, and even even with sermons and, and all of that, like when I decided to um, go to seminary, there were a lot of people in my hometown that discouraged that. Yeah. Um, and they didn't want me to be um, trying to <laughs> figure out a nice way to say this. But um, one person, you know, told me, you know, don't let them whitewash you mm. and I I can't you know take take that personally because it's coming from a place of hurt yeah. and I think yeah. that's something that I'm, I'm encouraging us to do especially as younger generations um getting to know the boomer generation and and their faith and what shaped their faith because I think mm. um now looking at it, sometimes we're, we we may look at the faith of boomer generations as empty. A lot of works, but but not really. Did they really believe? You know, and like like you said, generations will talk about um, the the others, and I, and I think we've kind of pushed boomers to to the to the back burner and just kind of making it seem as if their faith was was blind isn't the right word, but as if they just believed for no reason. Mm. Like they, they didn't have a reason for their belief. And so I think getting to know their experiences, mm-hmm. like a, a boomer yeah. who knows what it's like to go through the civil rights movement and see their parents, you know, go through segregation and, and mm-hmm. all of that is going to think that me going to a, 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 a private white seminary mm-hmm. that I'm going to be whitewashed you know? Mm. And so, so that's just one example of just how people view faith, how they view Christianity um, is, is heavily shaped by their experiences. And because our experience today, even though they're not easier, they are not what the baby boomers experienced. Mm. And I, I, I by no means, you know, feel that there is a hierarchy of experience of spiritual maturity I think there's room for all of us. And I think with boomers, we would see a lot, um, a lot differently about their reservations and about just the different cliche, you know, because we get annoyed, like, don't just say you're going to pray for me. Don't just throw a scripture (laughs) at me. But when that's all you have to survive. Yeah. And and even that's a lot Mm. um, to rely on. On, on God, when things are happening that you don't have an explanation for, and nobody's explaining it to you, you can't go to your pastor and talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's just, they were raised a lot differently and the things that they saw mm-hmm. shaped, shaped their faith and, and just how they, they coped 
with the world. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's so true. Like so much of what you're saying is so true. And and I know that you and I have experienced. And well, I I want us just to take a minute and to think about this because you know generations and different generations as we have have different characteristics and a personality really you know as individuals we have personalities but every generation has their own mark and their own reality and I want us to kind of pause and reflect on what you just said as well as we go to a song you know thinking about you know how we can actually learn from one another and maybe if you've had a problem with baby boomers in the past, maybe we can begin to think, hey, they have an experience and what does that look like? And maybe people listening who are of a certain age group can also sit and think, hey, maybe my experiences have shaped how I do faith or maybe I'm uncomfortable talking about my feelings. When someone says, how are you? I go, oh, wow, the church is growing. But I'm asking you how you are. You know, I've experienced that a lot actually with baby boomers go, hi, how are you? And they'd be like, the sun is shining, the weather's good, the church is growing. It's like, yeah, but you didn't tell me how you are. Yes. You know, so there isn't that because they weren't able to access that faith in in the sense of going feeling, you know, it was faith over feeling, not feeling like Absolutely. we interpreted. Absolutely. So we're going we're to go to a quick song, but we're going to unpack that a little bit when we come back because it's super important. So don't go anywhere because Kay is still going to be with me after this. Enjoy some music and uh, stay with us for this very important conversation. It's Voice of Change. It's myself, Lauren Jacobs. I hope that you've been with myself and Kaylian all the way through because we have been chatting about intergenerational faith and, you know, we've We've almost just scratched the surface, haven't we? We've we've totally scratched the surface, and yet yeah. we are so deep into the conversation already. So, which means that we are going to have to skip over the Gen X generation, which I don't want to mm-hmm. do because, again, we said earlier on, it's like the, the, the middle child. The middle I told child. you I'm a middle child, so I understand. <laughs> Seriously, we're not we're not overlooking that. This is interesting. My husband's a Gen X, but he always says, "I'm a millennial, babe." I'm like, "Listen, boo, you can't be." <laughs> <laughs> you were born in 76 you cannot be you know that's like a far cry you're not even on the border so uh it's like it's so funny but anyway so but we're gonna tell you how to learn about you know gen x and the beauty of this generation because it really is an incredible generation my brother is a gen x so i have a lot of people in my life who actually are of this generation and i actually think they are an amazing generation but uh because we've Absolutely. been you know, thank you. Amen. They are. And um, so we have been talking about the baby boomers, but we also need, there's so much probably that we're going to say about the millennial generation. And it's always been a lot of talk about the millennials and the boomers. That's why it's probably important for us to unpack it because this, the millennial generation is a generation that's very uh, widely misunderstood um, by all the people because it's the generation where we go, if you ask us how we feel, we're going to tell you how we feel. And often that feeling, right, of what we're going to say is going to make all the people feel uncomfortable (laughs) because we're going to tell you that, you know, it's it's really hard and, you know, maybe God has let me down or I feel disappointed. And that is not something that, you know, um, to some people you can say. But uh, what kind of, you know, truth and reality do millennials bring uh, obviously, you and I are millennials, so we're sitting here like yes. knowing what our generation brings. I'm sure you and I have prayed right. into this so much, right? I mean, a heart for social justice, love for you know openness and deconstructing Absolutely. faith, having uncomfortable conversations. Yes. So, what kind of things do millennials actually bring, and how can we really see millennials and 
a redemptive way that have so much to bring to our faith today. Yes. Um, I, first of all, I love everything that you that you just, you know, listed. And, and I agree with those. I think one of the major things that, that you mentioned that I also think is something that the millennials bring to to faith is deconstructing. Mm. And it's it's scary. And I, you know, a, along my journey, I've had to do a lot of deconstructing as well. Mm. Um, it's, it's not comfortable but it's, it's so necessary. But I also want us to keep in mind that we are not, we're not the only generation that has deconstructed. Mm-hmm. We are more vocal about our, about our deconstruction. Yeah. But when you look very closely at the boomer and, and, and gen- boomer generation and generation X, you'll see that all generations have a period of deconstructing. Um, whether that's with different revivals and, and different things, and those were heavy during the during the Gen X, um, during their time of, of growing up and and becoming adults, mm-hmm. that was also deconstruction. And so I think even in talking about deconstructing and what millennials bring to the table, yes, we do bring things that are unique, but there are a lot of ways that we have redug, you know, these these ancient wells that the boomers have seen that their parents saw, um, that we saw from our parents, but there are some ways that we have made that different. And and that's the entire point of generational faith is not that you throw away the old wells, but that you, you redig some, there are some that will still be beneficial and, and practical in your own faith journey, but then you go further to, to dig wells of your own. And, and that's what Gen X did. And then millennials took it a step further. And that's something that I highlight in the book for millennials is in the section of moving beyond the wells. So you have digging the wells, Abraham and boomers, redigging the wells, Isaac, Gen X, and then you have moving beyond the wells, Jacob and millennials. And, and what I mean by moving beyond the wells is all of the patriarchs of faith, they dug wells and they passed them down as inheritance. Mm. With Jacob, it's believed that he, there's Jacob's well, it's believed that he dug it at some point, you know, in his lifetime. It's not in his narrative, but we see it um, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. And I mm. think that whole encounter mirrors a lot about um, millennials and their approach to faith. And I think not only are we willing to move beyond it, so seeing it's not in the the practices that we do and in the programs that we have, but it's in encountering people. And I think that's a special thing that millennials have brought to the table is really seeing people the way Christ would see them and and meeting them where they are, mm. not waiting for them to to come to us a certain way, but actually going out. And like you said, advocating for justice and, you know, meeting people in their in their mess in you know, what would be embarrassing to, you know, bring before the Lord. Um, we we meet them in that. And I and I love that about us um, and, and having that courage mm-hmm. to deconstruct going going back to, to deconstructing it. it even to be present with people and to do that and to move beyond the wells takes you takes you deconstructing, but it takes a lot of courage. And 
and hope my my goal is that in seeing all of this deconstructing, which is so necessary, like my faith journey would not be what it has been without that period, even though it was the hardest you know time yeah. uh, along my journey. My hope is that we don't stop there because I'm seeing a lot of millennials deconstructing and not rebuilding. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's my heart for the millennial generation. And in writing this, because we're the generation now that we're still, we're still writing our story. We don't know what people will end up saying about the millennial generation. And that's a tricky place to be in. Gen Xers have been there. Boomers have been there before being that younger generation, you know, that people are like, you know, what are you going to contribute? And we're still trying to figure that out. But as we're figuring it out, as we're deconstructing, as we're finding our own way, let's not stop there. Mm. We just have a bunch of broken pieces, you know, broken, broken buildings. Um, All of that is necessary, but let's make sure that we're, we're rebuilding. Because faith is worth it. And I don't want us to deconstruct in a way that we're trying to prove whether faith is worth it. It already is. Let's let's deconstruct and then rebuild. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is so beautiful and so well said as well. We we have to rebuild, you know, and 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 some people may have not even heard the term deconstruct because we don't actually use that term here in South Africa. Oh, wow. You actually hear it a lot in the States. And so obviously I have a lot of friends in the States. So you hear this term a lot. Right. Okay. Some people don't hear this. So so you and I are talking about, and I use that word frequently. And then some people go, what do you mean? You guys meaning like you're totally throwing away your faith. It's, it's, it's about the ability to question things that we've been handed about our faith that may not be the truth. Like, for example, you know, like we've heard a lot of like going, going woman, can't preach and teach right absolutely so now we're mm-hmm. looking at that and you probably experienced that when you went to, to seminary you know um, oh, yeah yeah you know <laughs> people go don't go to seminary because like what are you going to do that you're going to become like exactly pastor's wife like yeah. I heard people saying that like to other people that I knew like what are you going to do become a pastor's wife like why do you need a degree for that it's like no I'm going to become the pastor it's like what <laughs> what did you do right you know, so it's kind of like uncovering that. And 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 the thing I think that people don't realize about deconstructing is that you're not trying to find new meaning to what you believe. No. You're trying to find the ancient meaning of what you believe. And that's how yes. I see it. Going back to why yes, the Bible like actually deconstructing, says. Yeah. Yeah, deconstructing in a way, like uncovering. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. I love that way of explaining mm-hmm. it. It's like the ancient parts, I think, of. That scripture in Jeremiah where it says, you know, look and ask where the ancient paths are, you know, like walk in those, find that rest for yourself. Going back to what the Bible, because I think people don't realize that we've been given and handed sermons or interpretations of the Bible sometimes that maybe is not exactly what the Bible has said, like Mary Magdalene being a prostitute. And that was originally Mm -hmm. taught to us by like Pope Gregory in the fourth century where she wasn't actually, but he kind of made that up, you know, and then we go, Let's deconstruct that a bit so we can see her for who she really was. I mean, that's like exactly. a very tame, <laughs> strange example, but it's one that comes to mind. No, just, no, it's relatable for sure. Yeah. Just going, what is this actually? What does faith really look like? Um, and, 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 you know, can we have emotions in our faith? Can we be broken mm-hmm. in our faith? You know, people used to say, you must have faith over fear. 
but we can have faith and fear at the same time when we do something. Exactly. I love un- that. It's unpacking that. And I love that about this generation. And one more thing, Kay, before we, huh? we wrap up is I had uh, someone of the baby boomer generation uh, say to me quite like uh, aggressively that they find it very frustrating that millennials um, are so involved in social justice pursuits and pursuit of justice mm. because they're getting led astray you know, into movements and things like that. And uh, I I want us to just, you know, I I just, I want to put that out there to you and say, what would your response be to something like that? Yeah. um, I, like I said, I I think a lot of the things that, that we're noticing about our own generation and the older generations are noticing about us, they're not new. Um. We, we have more resources and uh, we we can we can protest um, at, at least here in America. Yeah, yeah we too. can have these protests <laughs> and, and and do things um, without the the fear of being fire hosed, you know, th- things like that. And so we're not the first generation to to stand up for social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have a, a little bit more leeway and comfortability in our options for for protesting and, and things like that. Yeah. Um I would I would say I, because that's a hard issue um for me. Mm. Um because the Bible talks about justice. I mean that's <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's one of the whole premises. And I would I would say that is an indication that there needs to be some soul searching and seeing what you really believe about God, because if 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 you are against justice, then your your view of God, I I would say is is flawed Mm. because he's a God of justice and that's what makes him good to us. And if we can preach about God being good because he's just and because he's righteous, then we should want to see not some abstract, just God, mm. but actually seeing justice prevailing on earth. Mm. Yeah. That's how we're going to actually live out our faith and not just say we believe it, but we don't have anything to any, anything tangible to say, yeah, he is, he's, he's just, and we see it mm. on earth. And um, in Matthew, I think it is, it talks about the weightier provisions Mm. of of justice. And um, I mentioned that in the book, basically alluding to um, how people in the boomer generation were holding people um, accountable Mm. to, to the weightier provisions of things like justice. So like, yes, we can talk about um let's see okay here it is yes so yeah matthew 23 verse 23 it talks about weightier provisions and and justice is one of those and so boomers who were socially oppressed they held christians responsible for carrying out religious obligations while disregarding weightier weightier provisions like justice and i think it's it's the same for us today um, I don't I, I think it's is um it's hypocritical to go to church and, and check off all these boxes and have all of these religious obligations fulfilled, but then we're 
we want to push the weightier prevent, you know, the, the stuff that really matters, you know, how often you go to church and how well your coffee tastes at church is not as important of, of who's standing outside of your church that is too hurt to come in, mm. you know? Mm. So yeah, yeah I, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but it does. There, there's it a does. lot in that, but uh, soul searching for sure. Mm, it does. Okay. I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to give everyone, you know, the information about the book uh, at the end yes. of the wrap up of the show, but I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a life-giving conversation and I'm just so grateful. Mm. So thank you. A very, very interesting conversation indeed with Kaylian. And uh, I've just loved having her with me. And I can actually just hear when I talk to her, you know, even though she is a, a fellow millennial, she has a big heart for the baby boomer generation for bridging that gap and for trying to bring people together. And if you're, you know, a Gen Xer, we we know we didn't get to talk a lot about your generation today, but uh, I'm married to a Gen Xer and my brother's a Gen Xer and I have a lot of people in that generation around me. And often, like we have said, they do get overlooked and it shouldn't be because, you know, they really are just an incredible generation that bridged the gap as well between two generations that seem a little bit opposite. We also obviously didn't touch on our children, uh, the Gen Z generation. And uh, that's a very interesting generation that we need to talk about as well. But you know what? We don't have all the time to unpack everything. And if you're very interested in this conversation, like I said, Kalian's book, It Is Well, Generational Faith That Never Runs Dry. It is a wonderful, wonderful book. And also, you can actually go on over to the version. Bible app and uh, there is an eight-day devotional called It Is Well that comes off of the book and and of course as we know you version Bible app well loved well read in South Africa it is free the devotionals are incredible take you through day by day sometimes I actually use the devotional and uh, you know you're supposed to do it day by day but I can do eight day in in one time you know one time of prayer and devotion because you're just in the spirit and the spirit is leading you so it's so good that we have these kind of conversations so I hope that you've enjoyed the show today and that you have got a little bit of tools in your toolkit now to know how to navigate this. And maybe a light bulb has just gone on for you to go. Actually, we have a few problems in our congregation because we are not looking at the fact that these are different generations. And I always say, and I had this conversation with someone just yesterday uh, of the baby boomer generation, lovely, lovely, lovely individual with an incredible heart. And like he said, we need to look at people and use them in their strengths, not expecting them to be anything else but what they are. And and if we all, even as a team, whether it be in church, whether it be in our workplaces, identify our strengths and our passions and we bring that all together as a team, that team or that congregation or that nonprofit or that society or that community or wherever it may be, that place will thrive and I could not have said it better because it is true and so true and so today be blessed may God bless you may he make his faces shine upon you give you peace love joy and everything that is good to you there was so much feedback from last week I must just say last week's conversation about Celtic Christianity don't forget to go on over to our podcast page on our website kpulpa.co.za and you can find the podcast and you can go and listen to that deeply spiritual conversation and there was a lot of feedback on there some lovely comments on social media thank you so much Tani Tinka for you know sharing your thoughts on that conversation on that interview on uh, Instagram it was so lovely to connect with you there and it's just so lovely to connect with all of you and to have us experiencing the presence of God in everything that we do. So be blessed. Take care. See you next week.
This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.